Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. As you came in today, I noticed something about you, something that I already know about you. Um, and I can say it generically because I know it about every single person on planet Earth, is that you probably fall uh, under one of two categories. And uh, there, are, there are degrees of this, okay? But you fall under one of two categories. And it's that you are either, by nature, by personality, either a rule follower or a rule breaker. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, some of you in here are rule breakers. I could tell when you walked in the door and you saw, you know, hand sanitizer, you're like, I'm not putting the hand sanitizer on. That's ridiculous, right? Because you're a rule breaker by nature. Now, I know doctrinally, we understand that all of us have transgressed God's law. We're all sinners. We know that. I'm talking about your wiring. I'm talking about your personality. And I was thinking of an example, uh, husbands and wives, maybe you have experienced this, or a, a sibling, a boyfriend, girlfriend. So you're driving together, and depending on who dri- who's driving, the person driving will either come to a complete stop at the stop sign, 1-1000, 2-1000. One, and they know exactly whose tire stopped first, right, down to the nanosecond. They know, like... My tire stopped three milliseconds before that guy's tire stopped, but he's going first, and that makes me angry, right? Because I'm a rule follower, and that guy's breaking the rules, okay? Now, some of you, the stop sign, is a, it's a suggestion, right? It is suggested that you stop here, but you just kind of maybe roll on through, or you're like, man, you're not even paying attention. I don't know who stopped first. I'm just going to go. Or you just wave people on because you don't know. You're not paying attention. You don't care because you're not really a rule follower by nature. Another example, okay? You hang around here long enough, and you're going to see kids running around because that's what happens here at Renaissance Church. Kids run around. A lot of times, they're my kids, okay? It's just confession time. My kids run around. And, you know, we, they run around, and some of you, if they're, like, chasing each other and yelling, not being bad, they're just being kids, some of you are, like, inside, you're like, oh, my God, somebody do something, right? Because kids are running around free. And there's a rule follower in you that's, like, looking at parents, like, who's going to step up and say something right now, right? And you're just waiting for that person, that parent's like, children, stop running, and you're like, your rule follow hard. It's like, thank you. All right, I can, I can have peace again, right? The rule breakers, are, they don't even notice. Or maybe they're chasing the children around, right? Okay, that's just how you're, that's how you're wired. And this time on planet Earth has brought out the worst in both rule followers and rule breakers, okay? For example, I tend to, I tend to have a little bit of a rule breaker in me. I know you're like, Pastor Chris, you're not supposed to say that. You're a pastor. But there's a little bit of a rule breaker in me. And when I walk into Starbucks and every table is temporarily closed, there's a rule breaker in me. It's like, oh, I just want to sit down at a table so bad and drink my coffee, okay? That's just me being honest right now. But some of you, 
you, you see the mask ordinance, ordinance and there's something in you that is a rule follower and you're like, I'm gonna follow it to the T. Others of you, you're not, okay? Of course, it's created all kinds of issues, all kinds of little disagreements, all kinds of tension in our culture because we have rule followers and rule breakers. And in the midst of the tension that you probably already feel inside, the inner turmoil in your heart, I want to talk to you today about obedience. Oh, yeah, obedience. That's what we're going to talk about today. We started last week a new uh, series, and it's, it's based on what's, what we're calling the gospel tool, the gospel tool. And I kind of shared about that last week. If you want to go back, you can uh, find it on our podcast and, and hear more about the first, which was the G, which is grow in truth. And that uh, gospel tool, it, if you want to put that up for us, I'll just tell you what it means. It's the G is grow in truth. The O is obey what you learn. The S is serve others. The P is pray about everything. The E is evangelize the lost. And the L is love one another. Now, this is just a tool. It's a summary of the activities that we're called to in Scripture. And I am so convinced, so convinced that God wants to use you. That God wants us as the church to be equipped to be the ministers. That God wants to use you in whatever job you do, in in how you raise your children, in how you interact with your neighbors and your friends. Like, God wants to use you. You are the church. You're, You're the ones that he's putting out into the world. He's scattering you across our community and he wants to use you. And I believe that there's, there's something that God wants to equip us to do. We talk about our three main purposes, that we're designed, created to walk with God, to grow in community, and to live on mission. We feel like this tool is just a way for us to say, here are the basic activities that God's calling us, he's equipping us to do. So today, we're going to talk about the O, obey what you learn. And I don't, I just don't want you to miss what God is calling you to do. So to look at that, I want us to go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And whether you're a rule breaker or a rule follower, I think there's something really, really special in what we're going to learn today from this passage. So Colossians chapter 3, if you have a a copy of the scriptures there with you, go there with me. If you have an app, that's cool. Look it up on your app. We're going to have it on the screens for you as well. I'm going to read this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Colossae. Here's what he says. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, we talked about this being God breath, that the, that the word that Paul describes the scriptures, the written word, is that it's God breathed. And so this is the God breath, the, the God breathed word for us today, and it begins with the word so. And anytime you're reading the scriptures and you, you, you know, let's pretend like this was your morning to read Colossians 3 and you read the first word, so, and you're like, huh. So what? Like, why is the so there? Well, the so is there for a very, very important reason, and it's going to talk to you rule breakers. If you look in the previous chapter, I just want to give you a summation of what Paul has to tell these believers, because what's happened is this false teacher has arisen in the church, and it's like we think, according to what he's describing, kind of like a shaman-like figure. And in fact, um, there are writings and documents from ancient Colossae that describes some some artifacts and one of those was a necklace an amulet that had inscribed on it the names of angels Gabriel Michael and some other names and then it said that on the back of that necklace it said uh, to guard whoever wears this like a magic stone a magic amulet that they would wear and what Paul talks about is this person who's kind of stirring up the church with this false teaching that says things like the worship of angels. He also says that there's this judgment and condemnation that's being cast on people because someone's coming in and saying that they have to eat and drink certain things or don't eat and don't drink certain things. And if you do, you're not really, you know, you know, you're not really spiritual, Right? He says that someone's bringing judgment and condemnation about whether or not people are observing the Jewish festivals, the, whole, the, 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 the holy days or the holidays, the new moon, the Sabbath day. And he says to him, look, these are just a shadow of, of what's to come. Christ is the substance. He's the fulfillment of all these things. And this person is stirring you up with all these false ideas and these necklaces and stones and, you know, eat this and don't drink that and, and observe this and observe that. And at the end, he says, these regulations, rule breakers, regulations, don't handle don't taste, don't touch. All these refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Here's the first point I have for you today. Obedience is not following meaningless rules. And all the rule breakers said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Obedience is not following meaningless rules rules. That is such good news for us. Paul says, look, those things are human. Those are doctrines. They're false. They're fake. And he even says they have no power to actually curb self-indulgence. Like these can't even change your life. You're just going to feel condemnation. You're going to feel guilty all the time. And it's meaningless. Obedience is not following meaningless 
rules. But the second thing that I want you to see of what we just read is that obedience is finding life by putting to death dead works. Or to say it this way, obedience is finding life by putting dead works to death. To put them to death. If you look at what Paul says in verses 5 through 9, he he throws a little bone to the rule followers in the room. He gives us a list. Okay? And all the rule followers said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. That it's not this nebulous, like, man, just, just follow the Lord. And you're like, I don't know what that means. Like, give me something to grab onto. And he gives us a list of what is dead, what's a part of our old nature. And here's what he says, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. Now, that word in the, in the Greek is porneia. That was a categorical word that covered lots of different things. It's the root word that we get our word pornography from. But it, it covers a whole host of things. He says, that stuff is dead, sexual immorality. Pornea, pornography, right? Sex outside of marriage with your spouse, adultery, homosexual behavior, all these things fall under a word like pornea, right? It's a categorical word. He says, that's dead stuff. Put it to death. He goes on with the, the list and he talks about impurity, which literally means moral uncleanness or filth, lust. These inordinate affections or depraved passions. He talks about evil desires, which are similar to lust, but that carries a connotation of a desire for something that's forbidden. It's like, this is dead stuff, right? It it brings death into your life. He talks about greed. Greed is this this covetousness, right? It's idolatry, and it's, it's wanting more and more and more of something, and you're willing to do anything to get it. Right? You're, you're greedy. You've set something, this idol up in your life, and you just got to have more. And he's saying, look, 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 this is death. Elsewhere, Paul writes that the wage of sin is death, meaning this. If you work hard at sin, your paycheck will, will be death every single time. Look at the stories of our lives. Think about your story. Think about your life. Think about those those things that you struggled with. As Paul says, we all once lived in these things. Amen? It's our story. That list, that's our story. We all lived there. We all lived there. Think about what's happened in our lives because of those things. Think about the people in our lives that have persisted in dead stuff. And look what happens to them. Look, Look at the fruit. Paul says, look, put it to death. It's dead works. And just in case we weren't convicted yet, he keeps the list going. Thank you, Paul. He talks about anger, this unrighteous human anger that rises up in us. He talks about wrath, losing our tempers, right? Boiling over. He talks about malice, this desire to cause somebody else pain or suffering, right? There's, there's an intention in us. It's like we just want to make them suffer. Slander, which is speaking false words to defame or discredit another person. Filthy language from our mouths, which is literally obscene talk, just obscene words coming out of our mouths. He talks about lying. Do not lie to one another. He gives us a list. 
And it covers every single one of us. And he told us in the middle. He said, in verse 7, no, 6, because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the, what's that word? Disobedient. There's our word, obedience. Because of these things, God's wrath is coming on the disobedience, on the disobedient. That word disobedient literally means those that stubbornly oppose God's divine will. That see the list and they're like, I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to dive right in. I'm going to go for it. The disobedient. And he says, look, this angers the father. He's, he's holding out for you life, the ways of life. Walk in these ways, and you choose these ways, and it's bringing death into your life, but it's also bringing God's anger, his wrath. Like, that's a real thing. So, Paul, he's given us the list. He's, he's told us about this old nature, and he gives us this phrase, put to death. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to put something to death before, but that's a very strong command. Those are not like weak words, but to put to death means to take extreme measures. That's what he's saying to us. Believers at Colossae, believers here in Richmond, Texas, or whoever's watching online, like God is speaking to us and saying, put it to death because it's going to bring death. It's going to bring destruction. Take decisive, severe measures against these things. And he's given some relief to the rule breakers in the room. It's not meaningless. Thank you, Lord. Not meaningless rules. To the rule followers, he said, look, let me clarify this for you. But the third thing that I want you to see, it's the central point of what he's saying, is that obedience is learning to live from the new heart that God has given you in Christ. Learning to live from the new heart that God has given you in Christ. You see, obedience is first and foremost, it is always a heart issue. Always a heart issue. I'll give you an example. Parents, you, you know this. Um, you tell little Johnny, don't jump on that chair. You're gonna break that chair if you keep jumping on it. You're too big to jump on that chair, Johnny. Don't jump on that chair anymore. Johnny looks at you. And what does Johnny do? Johnny jumps on the chair again, right? Do you know why Johnny jumped on the chair? Was it because he couldn't hear you? No, no, Johnny heard you, right? Does he not understand what you're saying? Does he speak another language than you? No, Johnny hears every word you say. Johnny knows even what you meant when you said, don't jump on the chair, Johnny. But what happened inside of Johnny is that Johnny's desire to jump on the chair was greater than Johnny's desire to listen to what you said and actually follow it. Amen? <laughs> okay? 
I'm little Johnny, okay? I, I'm, I'm not downing little Johnny. I know this from my own heart. There was a greater desire to do what you said not to do than it was to do what you said to do. It was a heart issue. I was at the barbershop this week, and uh, Phil's my barber, and Phil's telling me a story about a pastor that sits in his chair, or came and sat in his chair. He cut his hair one time. He couldn't remember what kind of pastor he was, but they were talking about life and the world and stuff that was happening in the world, and kind of like, you know, there's just, you know, a lot of evil things happening, and, and uh, the pastor kind of humorously said with a wink in his eye, you know, if I want to go out and do something, meaning something wrong or sinful, he goes, that's what Jesus died for. He died for my sins. Phil was troubled by the comment. Does that trouble you to hear that? A pastor saying, if I want to go do something, that's what Jesus died for. See, I was thinking that even as Christians, we can, we can hear uh, the message of the cross. And we can say, oh, man, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. But there's not a change of heart. You see, Jesus didn't die to give you and I a free pass. He died to give us a new heart. That's what he died for. To take all of the, the stuff that we've done, where we've, we know, like we, we knew not to do that. We did it anyway. And he takes it upon himself and he pays for it. And then he does this supernatural work inside of us where he gives you a new heart. That's what the new covenant says in Jeremiah 31. He says, a new covenant I will make with them. I will put my law in their minds, my law in their minds. Right? And write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Paul describes this reality as a, a new nature or a new self. You're new. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're new. Something's happened inside of you when you heard the gospel and you said, yes, this is the truth. I believe it. Something happened inside of you and you have a new heart. That's really good news. That's really good news for us. Paul says it's a new nature, it's a new self. He describes how it happens to us in verses one through uh, three. He says, if you have been raised with Christ. In three, he said, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. You know, in a few weeks when we celebrate baptism, that's what we're, that's what we're conveying. When someone goes under that water, it's, it's the symbol of being like put in the grave with Jesus. And to be raised out of the water is to signify that we've been raised with Christ. We've been born of heaven. And Paul says, look, you've been raised. You've been born of heaven. You have a new heart. Now I want you to look at the things of earth with the perspective of heaven. Set your mind on things above. And he uses the language of the heart. Your Bible may say, set your affections. Set your affections. Set your mind. Desire the things 
of heaven. Because once you've tasted the life of God, you've, you've been in his presence, you know how good he is. It's, and you look at the list of all the, the dead stuff and you're like, I think I want that. He says, desire heaven. Set your affections. I was thinking this week about uh, something that happens in our home every now and then is we have a, a very sad child that comes to us and says, I lost my Lego piece in the carpet. Parents, come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? Your child or maybe your grandchild loses a piece of their, and it's always the smallest little piece you've ever seen. It's like the little hand of the Lego man that you're like, I have, it's like a sea of carpet. It's like where I have to get a comb out and comb through the carpet to see if I can find this piece, right? And so you look a little bit. Am I right, parents? You feel bad for them. They're crying. I'm so sorry. I'm sure it'll turn up. And in your mind, you're thinking, hopefully I can just vacuum it up later and they won't even know. Amen? Anyone? Am I the only sick person in the room that takes pleasure in vacuuming up Legos and just saying they're, they're out of my home forever? <laughs> Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You hear the, the little plastic come up in the... Uh, in the vacuum, you know, and it's just, it's a sound of joy to me. I love it. I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick like that, okay? I don't ever want to see that little piece ever again. I'm happy we lost it, okay? And when they ask me, I'm going to look with them, but I'm not really seeking because I don't really care. Let's be honest. <laughs> but when a mom loses her child at a shopping mall, something's different. All of a sudden, you're not just looking, you're seeking. Because someone close to your heart has gone missing. And inside, you're just like, I've got to find them. You stop everyone. You, stop, you call the police. Tell everybody, have you seen my child? Right? You're, you're, you're seeking. Because there's a, there's a connection to your heart. That's what Paul says. Seek. Like, like you lost your kid at the shopping mall. Like seek the things of heaven. Set your affections. Set your mind with eagerness, with earnestness. It's to look with our hearts. A new heart with new desires. I was looking this week at the a survey from uh, systematic theology. I know it sounds exciting. It really is exciting. And it was a whole survey of the passages of the Old and New Testament that, that tell us what drives or motivates obedience. And the first was love, love for Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, right, if I'm connected to your heart, if you love me, you'll do what I command. Another motivation was to keep a clear conscience. If you've ever been living in sin, right, you, you know what that feels like, and you just have that, like, shadow over you. You're just like, ugh, ugh, right? I just don't have a clear conscience, and I want peace and joy. And there's a motivation in us. It's like, man, I just want life. I want peace and joy, and so, Lord, I just want to obey you. Another was to be a useful and effective vessel for God's work. You're like, man, I just, I want to serve you, God. I, I want to do things that you can bless. I want to be effective for you. 
Another motivation was to see unbelievers come to Christ through observing our lives. Some of you have people in your life that are close to you and they see you on a regular basis and you know that they're not walking with the Lord and you want them to so bad. He's saying, look, this should motivate our obedience. We want people to see Jesus in us. Another motivation was to receive God's present blessings on our lives and ministries. Don't don't we want that? God on my house, God on my kids, God on my finances, on, on the things of my life, my ministry, I want your blessing, God. He says, I, I, I'm, I have no favoritism. I'm just looking for the ones that are willing and obedient to follow me. Another was to avoid God's displeasure and discipline on our lives. That's scary when he says, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. We're like, I don't want that, right? Another was to seek greater heavenly reward, which I think takes a lot of maturity to us begin to see that this life is just the very, very tip, the the very beginning of something that's going to stretch into eternity that we can't even wrap our minds around. And Jesus repeatedly talks about, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to. He talks about eating from the tree of life and a new name that he gives us in heaven and and, and those who will honor him with their their money and their finances and give everything for him. He's like, you have treasures in heaven. It's like, we don't even know what that means yet, but we know there's heavenly rewards that are coming. And And it all is dependent on what we're doing now. He talks about the desire for a deeper walk with God. Anybody feel that? I just, I just want to walk deeply with Jesus. I need it right now. It motivates our obedience. And lastly, the desire to do what God commands simply because his commands are right. And we desire to do what is right. We have a new heart with new motivations and new desires. And it's all about our love for the Lord. And lastly, The key to obedience is being renewed. That's what Paul said. He says, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. The new heart within you is constantly being renewed. It's it's a work of the spirit and it's being renewed in what? Knowledge. Which brings us to the how. The application, the how do we do this is very simple. It's to obey what you learn. That's what we're talking about today. As you get yourself in the word of God, as you, as you take in the God breath, as you let your eyes and your mind and your heart just like take this in, it's simply doing what it says to obey what you learn. In Matthew 7, Jesus uses a simile, and he talks about, uh, you you know the story, the one who builds their house on the rock and the one who builds their house on the sand, right? And we have have Christian t-shirts that are like, build your house on the rock. Welcome to the rock church, right? And we, we think of the rock a lot of times as like building your life on God and on Jesus, and in that story, um... I heard Francis Chan once time share this example of asking his daughter to clean her room. 
And he's like, wouldn't it be funny if my daughter said, uh, Dad, I'm going to spend uh, some quiet time thinking about what you said to clean my room. Dad, I, uh, I prayed about what you said. I've been praying about that, cleaning my room. Dad, I, uh, I even shared what you said on Twitter. I put it in quotations, and I had this like cool, like, like kind of cool horizon backdrop. And I put, clean your room, Dad. And I posted it on Facebook, and people liked it, Dad. It was awesome. Dad, I, I memorized what you said. When you said clean your room, I was like, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to memorize that. Clean your room, Dad. Dad, I, I even formed a small group to discuss what it means to clean the room. And we talked for hours. We had the most amazing conversation about what it means to clean the room. <laughs> and the point, you know the point. I just wanted you to clean your room. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who builds his house on the rock. Whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, doesn't do them, is like the man who builds his house on the sand. You know the story. The wind, the waves, the storm comes, and only one of them is standing at the end. The one who put the words into practice. Obey what you learn. You're like, Chris, I don't know the whole Bible. Me neither. I'm still learning. I read it every day. I read it every day. I'm learning. I'm growing, just like you. But I can't, I can't obey what I don't know. I can obey what I do know. The Lord simply wants us to obey what we learn. If you're feeling stuck with obedience, like stuck somewhere, I want to encourage you to consider coming to Encounter Retreat. It's really what we're going to talk about. It's going to be an amazing time, okay? Lastly, I was thinking of a roadway nearby um, here in our town. I'm sure there's some kind of dilemma going on because it's been under construction for like three years, okay? It's been torn up with barricades. The lights are all goofy. There's signs everywhere. There's cones everywhere. And nothing ever happens. I drive past it every week. No one's ever there. It's like forgotten into the sands of like there's some sort of log of like road work and this one's at the bottom. They're like, they just haven't seen or whatever. I don't know. Something's going on. It's been under construction for three years and I've never seen a single person actually working on it. And we've all just gotten used to it. All the people that I drive next to every week, we know how it goes. Like, we know we can't see very well because of all the cones and the barricades over here. So you, like, you kind of have to nose out. And then it's narrow because of the barricades over here. But we've all just adjusted to it. And I was thinking about um, this idea of obedience as learning to live from the new heart. And if you were to put a, a sign over our lives, I think it would say under construction. Amen? <laughs> Road work you know, happening right now, work zone, right? We, we need like vests on about our, our life of obedience because we're all still 
learning, right? We're still growing. There's still work going on. God's working on us. And I was thinking about how, um, how we often will do something that we know is wrong. We'll say something that was wrong, we know is wrong. We react in a way that we know is wrong. And then we kind of have to go back and set up cones for people. I've done this before. You're like, I'm so sorry that I got so angry about that. I, I'm still dealing with some stuff that's down inside of me. And um, God's still working on me. And by telling you that, what I'm saying is I'm just putting up some orange cones out like, this is a problem area for Chris. Let's put some cones around it so everybody knows that this is a problem, right? (laughs) But over the years, the people in our lives, they get used to the cones around us. Right? They, uh, They drive through the work zone every single day. And they get used to the do not cross, do not go here, do not drive here, these are cones, these are barricades, do not go here under construction, part of our lives. And I just want to ask you, is there any work happening in your work zone? Have you set up cones for all the people around you, but nothing's really happening? I know, it's step by step, for a while it's demo, and then it's dirt work, and then it's rebar, and then some concrete gets poured eventually, and then after that, some stripes will get painted. It will take years for us. But what if one day, what if one day we could pull all the cones up? Can you just envision that in your life? What if one day we could remove the barricades? We could sweep it off and let life recommence on the under-construction parts of our lives. What if? What if we got a vision, a long-term vision, of seeing God remake us according to his ways? That never happens unless we obey what we learn step by step. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.